Q&A now. Um, and my number is up there if you prefer to text it in rather than um, raising your hand, you're welcome to do that and I can read out your question for you. Um, but since the number just got up and since there are no hands raised, I'll kick us off. Um, so I think this kind of goes through all the talks that we've had so far. Um, and I know you kind of also touched on this tonight, um, but I guess maybe start us off with um, what, and you sort of, yeah, you have touched on this in your talk, but what about people who, I suppose, for whatever reason, let's say within our church congregation, um, might not fit within the particular mold of the, what we expect. So some examples are, as you raise people with chronic fatigue who might not be able to work between a when they're between the ages of 20 and 16, we would expect them to be working. Or people with um, perhaps caring responsibilities who have those responsibilities at an age when we would normally expect people not to have those responsibilities. Um, I suppose, how can we as a church, how can we think about that within the biblical framework you provided and how can we also care and cater for people within our church in that category? Uh, I'll have a go at answering. I think there's two prongs to the question. So really important to understand that God has called us to live a life of good works in response to the good work that he has done in us as an outflow of his grace. And that can take so many forms. Um, if you look in 1 Timothy 5, there's a beautiful description. The context is Paul teaching Timothy how to look after the widows in the church. And you remember that passage where he's teaching Timothy how to recognize uh, a widow in the church who is genuinely a Jesus follower. But because she is the responsibility of the church to look after. And the way he lists her qualities is very insightful because I think it's a description of a life full of good works. In fact, he lists out four or five different things that she might do in the community and as a blessing to others, and then just rounds it off by saying, and all manner of good works. This really is uh, the sign of God's grace in our lives, that our lives overflow with good works. Now, whether that takes the form of paid work, volunteer work, work out there in the world, work in the home, Work that's known and recognised, work that's invisible and quiet and secret and between me and the Lord. It's the whole lot, isn't it? It's everything we get up to with our lives. Uh, what does daily work look like for someone who's disabled? What is the Lord calling that person to do? And obviously, it's going to look very different to a person who's able-bodied. Um, but with everything that I've got and with all that I have... If I'm in that position, uh, let's, uh, God willing, let it be that with whatever I've got and whatever opportunity I've got, even it's, if it's just with the thoughts in my mind, let it be that I do this for the Lord. Whether it's to pray, whether it's to be a friend, whether it's to express loving kindness, uh, whether it's to speak words of encouragement. And then whatever I might be able to do with my hands. And so... Yes, we've been generalising with these five typical life stages, 
that any one of us could take a very different path through those and the categories may not work um, as such. I think that gets on to part of your question and I can't remember now what the other part was, so... I suppose just, like, how do we cater to that or care for members yeah. of our church who might not fit into a specified category? Yeah, and the same way we deal with these things in all of life, the generalisations are helpful, that will help you deal with 9 out of 10 cases, and then the exceptions require special thought. And that's true in education, it's true in a family, it's true in a workplace. Um, so, yeah, a bunch of your friends will just fit these categories neatly and you'll know how to relate to them and how to help them be women of God, men of God in their life stage. And then there'll be two or three people in your life that don't fit those categories and you'll have to do some special first principles thinking about how you can be helpful to them. But that's always been the case before I came along with these messages. So that, I don't think these messages this week can introduce a problem with that in that area. It's just, it's a case that we've got to deal with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does I think I'm thinking on two levels. One is developmental. So in the same way I could say to anyone, whether they're a believer or not, if they're behaving immaturely, they need to grow up. So I'm a physics teacher. Plenty of times I've urged children to grow up. And it's nothing to do with their walk with Christ. It's because they're just behaving inappropriately. And so there's a certain healthy development that we all need to make just as children growing into adults and taking responsibility in the world. But there's an extra overlay for us as Christians in that all of us, whatever stage we're at, are to be those who seek and hunger and thirst for God's kingdom, God's righteousness, to always seek to be knowing him more deeply, serving him more effectively and growing up in our salvation, maturing. And so my stern word this morning about growing up was probably trying to cover off both of those in the one. I think um, it's easy in any community context for immature behavior to continue uh, unchecked and to be excused because, oh, that's just you know, my friend and he's like that or that's just her. No, actually your friend needs to grow up and become mature uh, and you need to help her do that. Um, yeah, so what does it actually look like in practice? Uh, it's maturing in our walk with God and seeking 
um, knowledge and understanding from him, first of all. So it's our um, commitment to the scriptures and to our devotional life and to cultivating right-heartedness before the Lord. And overlaid with that is the learning what is mature behaviour and responsible behaviour and putting, leaving behind immature, self-centred behaviour. Um, and so, you know, I think I could urge that to anyone in any age. Um, how do I learn what's mature and sensible? Role models, instruction and encouragement from others, and let's be real, honesty. Because actually most of us know there are things in our life that we've been carrying on with that don't really belong. And it's about being honest with ourselves with the fall of the Lord and deciding it's time to step up. So they'd be my three practicals, uh, four practical suggestions. It's cultivating relationship with the Lord, first and foremost. Out of that comes all maturity and wisdom. Secondly, it's finding the role models in your life. Thirdly, it's seeking to be among people that are going to help you step up. You are your best help to each other, friends. And um, lastly, just being honest with yourself before the Lord. I'm interested in how you're going to cultivate cross-generational relationships. And so one of my encouragements to you, this generation, mostly young adults here, I really think you want to be turning around and finding the next ones down below you in your church, even if they're in a different congregation, and start discipling them. If you are a mature follower of Jesus, then you should have a couple of people in your life you're meeting up with for Bible and prayer. Show them how to read the scriptures. Show them how to pray. Disciple them. And then if you are looking to be cultivated yourself and you can't, and it's not coming down from above for whatever reason, then find it among your peers. So this happened for us at Campbelltown Baptist. I mentioned that I got switched on to the gospel at second year uni. I then went looking. I was very hungry for spiritual discipleship in my church. And for whatever reason, there was nothing really coming down from above. Right? So we had to make it happen. And a bunch of us were going to New South Uni, a bunch to Sydney Uni. And we just decided we would take ownership for our own spiritual growth. We started meeting fortnightly in a double garage out on the property of one of the families of the church. For some weird reason, we called it Friday Night Footy. Uh, but we would gather in this double garage, and a friend of ours was tracking through SNBC at the time, Sam Chan, and he would come out every couple of months and just teach us how to learn uh, to do Bible studies and learn to do short talks. And so then we would just, every second Friday night, we'd gather in the shed and we would learn to disciple one another. Uh, teaching the scriptures and then breaking into discussion groups and then we'd be meeting up with one another in little ones and twos and we cultivated this culture of discipleship among ourselves and then we turn around and disciple the next generation under us. We also put up our hands to serve as youth leaders and Sunday school teachers and start investing in the next generation. We became the uncles and aunties to the ones who were following us even though we were so young. And to this day at Campbelltown Baptist, there is still that pattern, and it's into its fourth iteration. Um, and out of that whole cohort of us, uh, we're all, yeah, there's a high rate of going on in the Lord. Many of us went on into Christian ministry. In fact, to this day, there's, that's my 825 alarm. Uh, to this day, uh, there's six couples of us, we all ended up marrying up 
within this group, interestingly. I don't guarantee, <laughs> not, not guaranteeing that as an outcome. So there's six couple of us all married up. There's brothers and sisters all through this group. And now it's six families and we've gone away together for a weekend every year since. Just even though we've gone very different directions in life, we encourage each other and it's coming up at the end of October. So we're into our 21st year of going away together um, and keeping one another accountable. So like nothing was coming down and so we cultivated it among ourselves and we grew. That's an awesome story. Thanks thank for you. sharing with us and thanks Adrian for that question. I know Matt has one. Um, yeah, um, I think, I hope I asked on behalf of other people here that because I think a lot of us have been used and, and agree and I think uh, a lot of us, uh, when we finish uni or even as we go into uni, we have no idea what we want to do in the future and we don't know what's out there or what we are expected to do or what will happen. And like you said, the script is sometimes, what we perceive as the script is different to what parts we end up being on. Um, I think I was struck by when you talked about aimlessness and finding a purpose and that being important as part of this life stage. Um, but how do you, how would you describe a Christian that is aimless? Like what does that look like and how do we avoid being in that situation? Yeah, so the, the huge pulling power is towards uh, the classic worldliness, which is constructed out of individualism, hedonism, consumerism, right? Individualism, it's all about me. Hedonism, it's all about pleasure right now. And consumerism, I'm, I'm just here to use and take and get what I can. And the Christian gospel teaches us an antidote to each of those things. Individualism, uh -uh. it's about the body. Okay, so I belong to a household and I serve God's household. He's Lord and here's my brothers and sisters. I'm accountable to you. Uh, secondly, hedonism. Well, if you read John Piper, then yes, a Christian has the hedonism, right? Joy and delight in the things of the Lord and preferring his way over above others. And then um, consumerism. No, I'm not a user, I'm a giver. And with those three moorings and my eyes clearly on the household of God and what benefits and builds up the body of Christ, I will not be an aimless young person. Okay, and all of those Christian young people I found overseas had lost sight of each of those things. They were totally suckered into individual hedonistic consumerism. Um, so I just say, keep your eye on the body of Christ. Keep your eye on one another. And if you're looking for a cause, make your church the cause. That's a good starting point, right? What's going to be good to build up our fellowship, our faith, reach people for the gospel, build them in here, encourage one another. It's household language, and always think in terms of building up the household. There you go. Any final questions? With 30 seconds to go, uh, my answer will be very brief. Um, this is the great conundrum, isn't it? The relationship between God's will and 
our responsibility. Um, but the short answer is it's about who is ultimately in charge. And yes, we get ourselves into a lot of our messes, right? <laughs> a medical diagnosis, not much I can do about that, but pain and brokenness, I probably had a lot to do with that, right? And so, yeah, we, we're not blaming God for all the things that happens, but ultimately God is sovereign and it's under his sovereign plan that I ended up where I am. Now, how we are responsible and yet God is responsible, that is the great conundrum for us to discuss outside of this 30 seconds. And I suspect there are some great answers sitting around us. Like, you guys would know what to do with that, right? What's, what's the answer? Oh, that's right. We don't talk. <laughs> okay. Um, I suspect we know. It's about giving time and attention to one another, allowing that space and permission, drawing near enough that we feel safe that we can share our burdens. Uh, the quality of your relationships with one another. Look, I've seen quality relationships here this weekend. You have got so much, friends. And if, if there are those hurting in this congregation who haven't yet been able to uh, share that burden with others, um, I just warmly encourage you, you have nothing to fear. And you have everything to gain from your brotherhood and sisterhood right here. So yeah, I'd encourage you to appreciate what you already have and to, yeah, lean on it. So, I am fearful that I'm cutting into trivia time, but my phone did suddenly buzz, and there are three more questions, but I'm going to combine two of them into one question. So really, it's just two questions. So, <laughs> firstly, this is just a single one. Um, there are a lot of things in this world that seem good from a worldly or human point of view. How do we work out from God's word what is good in his viewpoint? Are there any passages in the Bible that can help us? Right, so we want silver bullets. <laughs> yeah, this is the great challenge of life and the joy of living as a Christian. Um, the resources you have are the riches of scripture, the wisdom of one another, and the wisdom that God promises to give if you ask. And of course, there are grey and hazy areas, famously, and that's why Christians have come down on different lines on different things. But in your conscience before God, you are responsible to be at peace before God about what you're doing and why you're doing it, and do the work. Please don't look for shortcuts or easy answers from conference speakers. Do the work. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 10 says, find out what pleases the Lord. You have a loving father who's not hiding anything from you. He loves to show you his will. So seek him, open your Bible, discuss, do the work, and wrestle with your heart. But most of all, be honest. Be honest about what you want and why you want it. And until you're honest about it, you'll end up with fuzzy answers. <coughs> Great. Um, and final question. Um, this is on the topic of work, so I think it relates more to your 
um, seminar from today and there's two sides of it. Um, so daily work is important and we can keep in mind that in any situation we can work to bless those around us and be good witnesses. But how do you know when you cross the line and are actually idolizing work? And then the flip side of that is you mentioned that job satisfaction is a good thing but is it then ungodly to search for a job that does grant us satisfaction if we are dissatisfied? So on one side, idolizing a job that you enjoy, and on the flip side, where's the line in terms of looking for a job that grants you more satisfaction if you're not satisfied? Yeah. So both of those questions aren't specific to work. They're, they're generally true in all of life, aren't they? Uh, how, how do you approach any good thing whether it's a relationship, whether it's a chocolate cake, whether it's a holiday by the beach. How do you enjoy it and not make an idol of it? And if you didn't have a nice holiday, is it okay to seek out a better location for next year's holiday? You know, it's the same, it's, it's not a specific work question. It's probably a bit more weighty because work takes up a lot of your life, right? Um, no, as with all God's good gifts, receive it with thankfulness and make it a means by which you praise him all the more and you're thankful all the more to him. That's how you receive good things and don't make them your idol. You make it a means by which you glorify and exalt and praise and thank him all the more. And if God gives you daily work that you thoroughly enjoy, well, praise him all the more for it. Uh, no, it's not a bad thing to seek work that's more satisfying if satisfaction means... It's a good match for your gifts and abilities. We don't work to be satisfied. <laughs> we work to bless the world with the gifts and abilities we've got. The satisfaction comes when we actually notice there's a good match. And you're enjoying it because you're actually good at it. Okay, the reason, or because, and the environment is good around you. The reason you don't enjoy is because sometimes there's a mismatch. You've forced yourself into accounting even though actually you don't have an accounting brain. And you hate every minute of it. And the reason you're here is because your mum made you. Right, get out. Okay, find the real job. That's what I'd say. Thank you for the questions and thank you, Tim, for your thoughtful answers. Um, for the one remaining question that we didn't get to ask, oh, feel free to see. Um, for the one remaining question, the person who texted me with eight question marks, please feel free to ask Tim in your own time. Um, I'm sure that is a good question. <laughs> and he, he would love it to answer it. Um, just a few housekeeping things. So we are at the end of this session, um, and we do have games right now after we close, and then supper, and then lights out, same as last night. Um, but a few things to keep in mind just for tomorrow, since this is the last time we'll all be together tonight. Um, first, it is daylight savings. This was a feedback item from last year. Unfortunately, we can't change that. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> Also, a little bit of tidying up to do. So, 
Um, firstly, the rubbish from inside your cabins. If you could take the bags out and then put the rubbish into the wheelie bins that are outside our cabins. Um, for the mattresses that we left on, if you could please um, raise them up so that they're against the side of the wall. I think this only applies for the ones we slept on. Those are the instructions we were given. Um, one person from each room, so that I'm just gonna, let's say the oldest, most responsible person, <laughs> being on Green's responsibility, is to please check that the rubbish is out and that the mattresses are up. Um, and then if you could please also bring all your luggage, so just clear all your luggage out of the rooms by nine and either put it into the car that you're going home in or bring it here. Um, I'd advise you to put it in the car because we're going to have extra people joining us tomorrow morning um, who are coming up just to join us for service. So this room is going to be a bit more packed. So it's probably better if you put it in your car. Um, yeah, that's also, yeah, just a reminder, daylight savings, rubbish out, mattresses up, oldest person to check, and then all luggage out as well. Um, let me close this time from the front. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder tonight from your word. Um, thank you for the weighty things we discussed. Thank you that we are a church family where we can share in the good, but also share when things are not good, uh, when there is pain, uh, when there is suffering. Thank you that we can bring all these things to you, that you are telling a greater story that you foreknew us before we were even children, before we were even born. Lord, we just pray that we would be thinking over these things and be a community that shares our pain and sorrows and suffering, but also directs each other to keep our eyes on you as we walk with you through every stage of life. Um, we commit all these things to you. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. Um, chairs to the side.